Welcome to Wall Builders. This is the intersection of faith and the culture. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And we're doing that, uh, man, right after uh, the biggest election of our lifetime. I know we say it every time, but I mean, this is literally the one that will determine whether we can put the brakes on this slouch towards Gomorrah, this slide into socialism that has been happening in our country. Thank you to everybody out there that has voted. If you did not vote, shame on you. And yes, you should feel guilty so that hopefully it never happens again. All right, David and Tim, it's the day after. No, we are not making a movie called The Day After, but it's the day after the election. Uh, We're actually recording sort of the midnight after the election, so there's still a lot of returns coming in, and there's a lot we won't know till the end of the week, probably, unfortunately, because of the insanity of of some of these uh, third-world country-type election uh, results and and voting. (laughs) But so far, what do you guys see across the country in the results, and, and, uh, you know, how are you feeling? Well, I think it's interesting that really— we, we've done a few of these over the last several years where we are, all of us have been on various media programs throughout the evening, uh, TV and radio in different places, giving some thoughts and input along the way. It's kind of tracking things as they go and then having to try to get something put in place for, for our wall builder show. Uh, and we actually will be doing this all week long, uh, trying to track things as it comes. Oftentimes we will uh, get together once or twice a week and record some programs for the remainder of the week. And this time, especially election cycles, we try to, to track it as it comes. And, and you know, right now what we're looking at, uh, predictions we're making even the night of the election, it, it certainly looks like Republicans have the Senate, Republicans have the House. Uh, it doesn't look like Republicans maybe are going to win as many seats in the House as was initially anticipated that red wave could be. Uh, Republicans still are going to have a, a good control of the House, but it's it's worth noting that some of the seats that we thought were maybe potentially secure were much closer uh, and challenged and some even overturned on the Republican side uh, that were not necessarily expected. And even looking on the Senate side, seeing some of these Senate victories, I thought it was interesting throughout the night where Republican governors were outpacing some of the Republican senators in the same states where you had a Republican governor, Republican senator on the ballot, and there were more voters voting in favor of the Republican governor than for the Republican senator. And I think it's it's pretty telling when in some situations, I thought the Senate candidate was even stronger than the governor, and yet that Senate race was a little closer. Uh, so th- to me, that was a little telling, maybe that the the night and really, I guess, you know, Rick, as you pointed out, the next several days and unfortunately in some states, even maybe the next several weeks, as some states are predicting, it might take that long before they can finally confidently determine who the winner is, which is just crazy. But that's what they're saying. Uh, it, it's just very telling to me that either there is uh, more questionable things happening with election and election integrity or uh, that. For whatever reason, there were a lot of voters disheartened, and maybe in some of these Senate cases, for example, maybe the Democrat committee was putting in so much money against the Senate candidate and not as much against the governor, and so it kind of tainted some of the voters against the Senate candidate as opposed to the governor. But to me, that was one of the interesting things we were tracking throughout the night. Well, and this is coming from a very, very reliable source, but the reason for the slow returns in Pennsylvania, according to the Babylon Bee, which is my reliable source, uh, the, the returns are slow in Pennsylvania because Fetterman is counting them himself, just so everybody knows. Kidding. 
Yeah, just a little uh, Babylon Bee humor for everybody tonight as we uh, record for tomorrow. Anyway, go ahead, David. Sorry, man. I think one of the things that's interesting about tonight was how different the states were. You know, some, like Florida, just super competent, super fast. You've had the governor and the legislature step in there, reform that process. Uh, six years ago, they were one of the most unreliable states in the nation. And then you look at places like Arizona that used to be really reliable. And man, the kind of breakdowns they had. And there were 17 different states with machines that broke down to some degree, some more than others. But when you're talking about 20 to 25 percent of the machines in Maricopa, which is Phoenix, which is where the bulk of the population is, that's a lot of machines going down. And then you have goofy stuff going like in Detroit. There were several hundred people who showed up to vote uh, over the course of that that particular area. And we're told, well, you've already voted. No, I haven't voted. That's why I'm here to vote. No, no, no. We show you've already voted. No, it wasn't me. I'm here to vote. And so there's that kind of stuff going on. And and as goofy as it is to have all this stuff spread out and, you know, like Pennsylvania may take weeks, literally, and some states prompt reporting tonight, I still got to say that I like that to the degree that the Constitution allows each state to set the time, place, and manner of elections. And I really like the fact that it's not super uniform because that would make us think that the feds could tell us what to do on everything. And the fact that they can't tell us what to do on elections per se and how to conduct them, I think that's a really important thing for us to have that individuality of states. Now, we need better personnel. We need better enforcement. We need stuff. But we don't need the feds telling you you all have to do the elections exactly the same. And the founders are wise enough not to put that provision in there. Well, it's also worth noting that that just because we're saying we don't want the federal government to come in and mandate what an election looks like in every state and there has to be uniformity of every election, that doesn't mean that all the people in every state couldn't get together and say, hey, let's be competent about this. That's right. And we ought to be able to know who the winner is the day of the election. That's right. Right? Where When you look back over Florida, as right now they're kind of one of these shining examples of what a state can be. When, when Governor DeSantis was elected governor in 2018, it took him weeks before he found out he was the governor because of how broken the election system was in Florida at that time. But he got elected governor, and he made that a priority. That was a mission for him. He, he actually acknowledged that no elected official, no governor should ever have to go through what he went through waiting weeks before they found out if they were the winner, weeks after the election. And so he said, let's do some election reform. And, and Dad, as you pointed out, there were a lot of individuals involved in that. The state legislature supported that motion, but the governor was the one leading those efforts. And when you look at the 2020 election where Florida was thought to be a toss-up state and President Trump won by, what, nearly 700,000 votes or something incredible from Florida, not only was it not close when it comes to who was going to win, it wasn't a toss-up state. They were able to eliminate corruption, but they were able also to report in a timely manner. One of the laws, and this is my recollection, I'm not looking this up right now, I'm reading the actual law, so this is my recollection, but my recollection is that part of uh, the package they passed in this election reform, it required that the results be turned in, I think, what, two or three hours after the polls closed in Florida? And so every county had to have all their results turned in, that way they could report who actually won in the state that night? Well, these are the kind of things that, as we saw some of the issues early on, on the, on the day of the election in, in Arizona, Maricopa County, all these problems they were having. And Kerry Lake got in front of the media and said, this is this is ridiculous, right? We, we should not be in 2022 and not able to be competent enough to, to conduct elections, to, to go through this process. And 
She said, if I get elected, I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. And so, Dad, back to the original point, even though the federal government isn't and shouldn't be the ones to control how every state does it, every state should desire a level of competency in their elections that on the on the election day, by that night, you should know who won, who your leaders are. And so even though this needs to happen inside the state, every state should care about this. And Rick, I, I, I remember very well as we were reviewing the 2020 election, how often you talked about that the election process, right? It needs to be transparent. It, it, it needs to be fair. And I mean, just very basic things that everyone should care about. And even though this needs to happen inside the state, this should be something that especially after the 2020 election and now it looks like in some of these states with the way they're conducting elections where they're acknowledging it might take weeks before we know who the winner is. Everybody in that state should agree that this is a terrible process and we need to change the process in this state so that we don't have an election day and then weeks and weeks and weeks after before we know the winner. We, we should know the winner the day of the election. That should be a very simplistic process. And when we're talking about in some of these states, they're updating their, their COVID death stats by the minute and they, the but they minute. can't tabulate, yeah. right? But they can't tabulate yeah. vote in one day. It, it doesn't make any sense except Maybe that there's a bigger underlying agenda or goal or it it just leaves room for the conspiracy theorists out there to go. See, we knew it was all fraud. It was all cheating. If if you want to remove this question of fraud, then you need to be transparent. You need to be quick. You need to be competent in what you do, as Florida has shown can be done. There are third world countries that are doing this better than us. I mean, but hey, good news, guys. Maricopa County out of Arizona says no problem. We're going to have 99% of our votes counted by Friday. Seriously? Are you kidding me? 99% counted by Friday. That's what they're announcing out of Maricopa County. You guys mentioned Ron DeSantis, Florida, cleaning up the the voting system there, making sure that it was done quickly. Uh, Guys, we got to give a shout out to this guy. Bold leadership paid off. He was willing to lead boldly. He won by 20 points. I mean, this was a shellacking in Florida, and that's a 50-50 state. This is not, you know, big-time red country. I mean, really, every election in the last 15, 20 years, everybody waits to see what's happening in Florida, uh, and for him to win that big after he barely won four years ago. I mean, he barely won, and to win with 20 points, I just think it speaks to being bold, being courageous, and that pays off. Being dangerous, as we might say. All right, so what are what are some of the races you guys want to point out? Hey, Rick, it's interesting, and in, in talking about DeSantis, it's interesting that a, a several elected Democrat officials came out and endorsed him and said, look, this is leadership. We yeah. appreciate leadership. This is what the state needs. And then you saw that happen in Georgia with Kemp. Several Democrat elected officials came out and said, hey, we appreciate leadership. And what he's done in Georgia has been really good. And, and he was expected to be in a super tight race, and then he wins really almost double ditches in his race. And that was, you know, with Stacey Abrams, they thought that was neck and neck and he might lose. And and so you saw even the same thing with Bill Lee and in, in Tennessee, where the Democrats came out and said, we appreciate leadership. And I think people do appreciate leadership. They appreciate boldness. They appreciate integrity um, because these guys weren't changing the election process to get themselves elected. They're changing the election process to make it better for the citizens. And, yeah, and there were guys in both parties who recognized that. And there's just not many things in the last three to four years that Democrats and Republicans have agreed on. And I don't think that those Democrats were largely reflected of all Democrats 
But I appreciate the fact that they were willing to recognize leadership. I think, guys, too, one of the things that was interesting to me was uh, the, the J.D. Vance Senate victory in Ohio, where you had uh, Mitch McConnell, who wasn't going to get behind and support J.D. Vance. I right? didn't want to put money into that race. Um, one of a couple races where Mitch McConnell got out of, and largely because, it, it, at least from the outside appearance, what it seemed from the news reports was J.D. Vance saying that I'm not just going to be one of the good old boys in the Republican Party, right? I'm not just going to do whatever Mitch McConnell says, that there are things that are important to the people of Ohio. There are principles that I have. And because he wouldn't get on board and say he was going to support whatever Mitch McConnell wanted to do, Mitch McConnell said, then I'm not going to give you money. I think it's interesting that even though he didn't have the financial support of the Republican Party, like some other candidates did, that he was able to pull this out. And I do think we are seeing a new breed of Republicans on some level where, you know, we've kind of heard of some of these Trump Republicans. Well, I think now we're not just talking about Trump Republicans. I think, you know, kind of as as we were just pointing out, when you look at Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, I think we're having some DeSantis kind of Republicans, people that are much more principled, that aren't maybe as rough around some edges as President Trump, uh, as his background was right coming into office. And I'm not suggesting this is who he is now, but certainly the baggage that President Trump had that people were able to kind of use against him and the way the media was able to demonize him in so many ways. Some of these Republicans don't have that same level of baggage, which I, of course I thought was so ironic and funny as there were Democrat media and I'm saying Democrat media. It was really mainstream media, but they're Democrats and supporting Democrat positions. So it's really Democrat media. They were coming against uh, Governor Ron DeSantis so strongly how bad he is and how evil he is. And right, kind of like with the, the ladies on The View talk about how bad this guy is. Well, what don't you like about him? The fact that he promotes freedom and gives choices to people and, you know, lets lets parents be involved in education. Like it's it's crazy to me that you are so strong against this guy when you can't really point to things he's done. But that's the kind of leader he's been. And I think there's a breed of Republicans that are now being elected that are maybe even more reflective or, or maybe resemble Governor Ron DeSantis more than Trump on some level. And I think it's really healthy for the Republican Party. And, and by the way, guys, I've got to say that it was really exciting to get through last night. You know, we, we finally got past last night and, and election day is officially over. And so that now means we have fully entered the presidential campaign season. And so, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. But but I already know of nine individuals who are running for president right now. I've already seen announcement schedules for them over the next week. You're going to start hearing all these announcements about running for president. And so we haven't even hardly got stuff packed up from the polling places, and we're already in the presidential campaign. So Here, here I've been saying, David, that uh, I've been telling everybody today, Let's get a little bit of an off-season, right? Let's have a little bit of an off-season where everybody can go back to spring training, study the Constitution, study the process. But you're right, man. I mean, it's going to start immediately. Uh, but let's definitely let's definitely make sure our listeners know, you know, just because that election is over, uh, and even though there's going to be more counting throughout this week, uh, that does not mean we're done, right? We, we, we price the freedom's eternal vigilance. we got to stay involved. Let's not do that thing where, oh, we had some victories. We go home. we got to stay involved. Couple of shout outs, guys. Uh, our friend Chris Smith in New Jersey. That was one we were a little bit worried about. Pro life guy up in New Jersey that's been a champion. Looks like he uh, has been reelected. Our Patriot Academy graduate, Elias Coop Gonzalez in West Virginia, 20 years old, and he just won a House seat in West Virginia. Uh, of course, the DeSantis victory at, at 20 votes. 
Um, what are some of the other ones that stand out to you guys from last night? Yeah, what stands out to me is I'm really proud of the citizens who got involved because we came into this with the memory of 2020 elections uh, and, and all the, the failure of the system fresh in minds. And what I've been really proud of is over recent weeks is, you know, Chad Conley and I have been in so many places, but one of the things we've seen is so many people in churches signing up and saying, Hey, I want to be a poll watcher. I want to, I want to make sure the election is straight up. And, and I think that this election, despite the fact that 17 states had election problems, there were more poll watchers on the ground than I have seen in any election in my lifetime. Uh, there were more people willing to say, I just want to put eyes on the process. I want it to be fair and straight up. And the fact that that was an emphasis and a, a big emphasis, by the way, I think that's really good. And even though we've had some failures and knockdowns, I think it's super, super helpful when citizens don't just vote, but they get involved in the process and they get involved as election judges or as poll watchers or whatever it is. That's just really healthy to me. That's And, and again, you go back to the thing in, in 2 Timothy 2.5, you can't win unless you run according to the rules. And most voters don't even know the rules of elections. They just know they go vote and they vote for whoever they're going to vote for. But we're starting to get people involved in the process, starting to learn how it works. And that does nothing but make the whole system healthier. So I would give a shout out to all those people who not only voted, but who went out of their way to be part of the process. Yeah, great point, man. Great point. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. Everybody out there that was involved, thank you. If you did not vote at all, it's time to repent. And I mean that. The sin of silence. Don't let that ever happen to you again. I hope you feel terrible and guilty tonight so that you never, ever make that mistake again. But for all of you that did vote, God bless you, and thank you for being involved in not just voting, but being a part of the the movement and actually being part of the grassroots out there engaged in the process, just as David was talking about. Stay with us, folks. You're listening to Wall Builders. We'll be right back. This is election results from the 2022 general election. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. We're back here on Wild Builders. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, it's the day after the election. Uh, we're actually in the wee hours of the morning the day after the election, so there's still a lot to come in. Uh, David and Tim, y'all been reporting all night on American Stands and and uh, you know watching all of these races uh, very closely. Uh, we had governor's races. We had congressional races, state legislative races, local ballot races. Uh, it, it was up and down the ballot, and you know, win some, lose some. But overall, maybe not as big of a red wave as everybody expected, but definitely a red wave. Yeah. And, and, you know, as, as we're recording this program, uh, hopefully we are all going to get a few hours of sleep and then we will be up and we'll be on several media outlets and TV programs uh, throughout the day as well. 
and, and by that point, I think we will know more, hopefully, that, that some of these races um, that have yet to be called at this point, hopefully some of them will be called. So we'll have even more to report tomorrow. And obviously, as we continue to record these programs throughout the week, uh, we'll be able to update people along the way as well. One of the things that, that I think is going to be interesting is, you know, if if we're looking big picture, kind of where things are right now, and maybe there's not quite as big of a wave as was anticipated, but it looks like Republicans will control the House and the Senate. If that happens, but it's not a big majority, that definitely can change some of some of the tactical and strategic operations of what was maybe predicted and projected had there been big majorities. Because if you win 54, 55 Republican seats in the Senate, I think you can do things a lot differently than if you have 51 or 52 seats. Uh, because there are, we know, some Republican senators that are a little squish and that don't have the same level of boldness and courage, and they kind of flake on some issues at the same time. If in the House, we, we know it takes 218 uh, for one side to have the majority, and Republicans looks like, well, definitely have more than 218, but if they end up getting uh, 225 or 230, that's very different than if they had 240 or 250 just based on that majority. And again, because you have Republicans in, in Congress that are, are not as strong on some issues, that they're, they're maybe not as principally driven uh, on, on some of the social, some of the moral issues, or sometimes even the economic issues, where so often they're okay with increasing the debt and increasing the spending and increasing taxes. And so I think what's going to be interesting is to see how some of the strategy shifts with what can be done. And that even includes on on some of these committees where Republicans have talked about. They want to have committees and they want to bring Dr. Fauci back in, for example. And, and they want to talk to him because he is clearly lied in multiple occasions. And so let's bring him in and talk to him. Well, if you have a very small, simple majority, it, it again changes the dynamic of what you can do and how you can do it even having these committees. So it, it will be interesting as we go throughout this week to see what the majority actually looks like for Republicans, because it, it will limit maybe the level of the repudiation of the Democrat plan and policy that is reflected in the House and the Senate, but also the power they will have to slow down the Biden agenda on some level. And let me jump in on that point, because we really do need to talk about expectations here. Republicans get the House, they get the Senate, what is that going to change? Really, all it's going to change is the rate at which bad stuff comes down. You're not going to see a reversal of any Biden policy because anything the House and Senate do, the president has to sign off on. And he's not going to sign off on new laws that they'll pass to reverse him. He may try to work with it. If he was a Bill Clinton kind of guy, he would say, you know, the people have spoken. I need to get on with the people. And, and Bill Clinton did a lot of stuff. Welfare reform. He signed the bills. That was the guy listening to the people. But I don't think that Biden's going to be that guy. He's going to double down and say, well, you, you guys just didn't understand my message. Let me get tougher with my message. And so you may see more executive orders. You may see more stuff coming out of his executive departments, his agencies, uh, even if hearings are held, which, you know, they're promising hearings in both the House and Senate on on things like the, the FBI and what's happened with the, the politicization of that, the weaponization of it. Uh, the same with the border. They're going to do hearings. Yeah, but hearings are hearings. Hearings are not laws. And so they can shine light on it. But what if the what if the liberal media doesn't cover any of the hearings or doesn't show what's out there? So what you can expect is you can expect a lot of the bad stuff to slow down coming down. 
But don't go in here saying, hey, we, re- we elected Republicans and they didn't do anything. No, no, no. This is a constitutional system. It takes all three branches to do something. You need to limit your expectations to what is constitutionally possible. Now, this is the first step. You have to do this before you can get the, the other branch or change anything else. And this probably will force the president to make better nominees for judiciary that aren't as progressive. Because when you when you have a majority in the Senate, at least they can vote down some judges and not put some of the progressives on the bench. So it can improve some things, but don't expect that to be covered. And don't expect that you're going to see and hear a massive change as a result. And this is also not to say, right, that this is a negative for us. As, as we're looking at things right now, there's still a lot that's undetermined, undecided. Uh, as we've already mentioned, we're recording this uh, the night after we've been doing a lot of election programming coverage. And the results were just really slow coming out from a lot of states. There's probably a lot of reasons for that. A lot of states have moved to a lot more uh, mail-in ballots, and those take a lot longer to process and count. Uh, unfortunately, there's also the opportunity for more fraud in some of these areas. So that, that there, there's challenges with this. However, there's still a lot undetermined, and it, this does not mean it's a bad thing. So don't don't listen to this program and go away thinking, "Man, it's so bad. This you know this isn't good." Well, it maybe is not as resounding of a victory as we were hoping for, but it doesn't mean that good things did not come of this. That's and right. Dad, I think one of the best things that came of this, as you mentioned. You know, guys, we've talked about this a lot, traveling all over the nation. One of the best things has been how many people are waking up and now getting involved in the process. And we've talked about this before. If you look at the American Revolution, the American Revolution actually did not happen. You know, it wasn't one battle and the Americans win. No, the American Revolution, there was over 250 battles in the American Revolution. The the American patriots lost the majority of those battles. George Washington was only a part of 17 battles in the American Revolution. He only won six of them. That, that, that's not a majority. The Americans lost a lot of battles, but they ended up winning the war because they didn't stop fighting the battles. They stay involved for the long game. And what's so encouraging to me is there's so many people that are waking up, that are getting involved. And even though we might not have won everything we wanted to this election cycle, if we will stay involved, we can end up winning this war. All right, folks, we're out of time for today. We will be recording uh, a new program for tomorrow that will have a lot more updates. As, as we said, you know, a lot of results still coming in. Uh, There'll be more coming in throughout the week, but we're going to know a lot more for tomorrow's program. So be sure and tune in for more election results. Thanks so much for listening to Wall Builders. You're a blessing to us and to our country by being involved. And we're still going to save this constitutional republic. We stand undivided forever.